Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Our Gospel for today is taken from chapter 14 of Luke's Gospel. Now we started reading from it last week. Now in chapter 14, it's filled with all different descriptions of a life of discipleship, of following Jesus Christ, and how we are to follow him. Well, what we hear today is something pretty shocking. You could even say deeply disturbing. Jesus, for the past few weeks, has been leading his apostles and the crowd along. Now Jesus turns and you could say he drops this spiritual bomb on them. If you really want to know what it means to follow Jesus, well, he tells us. In fact, today he doesn't even sugarcoat it. He says to us, point blank, If anyone comes to me without hating his father, mother, wife, children, even his own self, cannot be my disciple. Now, imagine you're standing right next to Jesus as he says this. You would be incredibly astounded. Now, go back a bit. The followers of Jesus, granted, they have been intrigued by his teaching. They have seen and witnessed his miracles. They even heard his Sermon on the Mount, which is the blueprint of Christianity. And they probably said to themselves, okay, you know, I, I can live with all that. I can do it. Then they hear this, that we have to hate our father and mother, our family, even our own self to follow Jesus. Well, I don't know about you, but right away I see two major problems. First, you know, I have to hate everyone that I am close to and love in order to follow Jesus. I would say that's an enormous cost of being a disciple of Jesus. The second problem is people are probably scratching their heads right now when they heard this. They're probably saying to themselves, hey, I don't understand this. This is the same guy that told us we have to love everyone. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. This is the same guy that told us we have to love our enemies. Remember what Jesus said? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And now he's telling us we have to hate, and especially hate those closest to us, our parents and our kids. Well, I'm sure many people, upon hearing this, walked away from Jesus. Well, this is important stuff, and therefore we have to be very careful on how we interpret this and apply it in our life. Now, this gospel, yes, it makes many of us very uneasy. But I think the key for us to understanding it all is at the very end. Jesus says, anyone who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. Well, is Jesus really telling us 
to literally hate our families. No, not at all. Jesus loved his mother, and he loved Joseph, his stepfather. What Jesus is really telling us, nothing in this world should prevent us from freely choosing him. See, when that happens, then we become the person that God created us to be. Then we can freely live out our faith. Then we freely love God. We can love our family, and we can love our neighbor. Now, this gospel, I think, begs the question, are you truly happy? Stop and think, are you really happy? Or maybe better yet, do you know people that are happy? Now, I don't mean a giddy happy, but I mean someone who is deeply content in who they are. Someone who has a right relationship with God that just naturally exudes happiness and peace. Now, to be honest, I don't know very many people that are truly happy. Now, that reminds me of the story of St. John Vianney. Now, mind you, St. John Vianney is the patron of parish priests. And it was not uncommon for St. John Vianney to hear confessions every day for 12 to 16 hours a day for over 30 years. Now, someone asked him as he was getting on in his life what wisdom he took from hearing all those confessions. His response, people are a lot sadder than they seem. Now, I find that very interesting. A lot of people put on a good face. They know how to look happy, but they truly are not. So then it leads to another question. Maybe we understand happiness in the wrong way. What we think of happiness really isn't it. Is it possible that we find ourselves in the grip of an illusion? So you say, well, what illusion? Well, it's the illusion of a person that says, I will be happy when... Well, then complete the sentence. I will be happy when I have enough money. I will be happy when I get that promotion at work. I will be happy when people admire me. I will be happy when I retire. See, this view here is one in which we all become victims too. When we fill up our yearning for whatever it is in this world, and we believe that will make us happy. Well, here's the hard spiritual truth about that. Nothing in this world can make us deeply happy and content and give us peace. Now, whatever it is that we yearn for in this world, what we can complete when, I, when we say, I will be happy when I have power, honor, materialism, money, whatever it is, we experience whatever that is, and we get a little bit of it, and we feel a rush, a sense of excitement. But soon after, that excitement goes down, goes away. So next, this person wants more and more of that, whatever it may be, to the extent that their whole life becomes a quest to fill their life with the goods of this world. You know, that's exactly what I preached about last week when I talked about the story of the man that was on my doorstep. You know, he spent his whole life chasing after things that the world told him would make him happy. Property, cars, houses, even planes. 
spent his whole life chasing after them. And now at the end of his life, as he's accumulated all these things, they're not making him happy. In fact, they're making him miserable. Well, this may be the reason why so many people in this world aren't happy. They're living in this odd realm of illusion. Well, here's the secret, the great secret for us all. Right now, you have everything that you need to be happy. See, this is what Jesus is trying to teach us in the gospel. You could say in this strange gospel passage. Well, you say to yourself, okay, how does that work? Well, I'll give you a good example. St. Edith Stein. During the World War II, Edith Stein was a Carmelite nun. And one day, she and her sister were arrested by the Nazis. They were taken prisoner. They were put in a cattle car with other people and dragged away to Auschwitz, the concentration camp. She and her sister were killed just a few days after they arrived at Auschwitz. Now, it is said by witnesses in that train that Edith Stein ministered to those people that were in the cattle car with her. She was calm, and she had a sense of peace about her. She was praying with those people while in the train, traveling to Auschwitz. Now, you say to yourself, well, how can this be? She's riding in a cattle car, deprived of everything, deprived of her freedom and her liberty, deprived of food and water, deprived of her dignity and respect. She's going to a death camp where she knows eventually she's going to die there. And yet, she was able to be peaceful for those people. In fact, she peacefully ministered to those people on that train. She became a bearer of God's presence for the people on that train. So you say to yourself, well, how is that possible? Well, Jesus tells us at the end of the gospel passage for today, Anyone who does not renounce all possessions cannot be my disciple. See, it is possible. Jesus is saying that we must love less or hate those things of this world in the very measure that they become for us the very means that prevent, prevent us from filling our desire that we have for the divine in our life. You see, in that great spiritual act, that's when we find joy and peace. And what's so amazing about that is the paradox. In that spiritual act in which we find joy and peace, we now can freely love God and love our family and love our neighbor. So you say to yourself, well, it's still bizarre. Well, yes, but you see this in the Bible. It's what I call biblical shock therapy. There are times in which God intervenes in order to shock us out of complacency. I'll give you some examples. Go to the Old Testament. Here you have Abraham and Sarah. They've been trying all their lives to have a child, and they couldn't. Suddenly, God intervenes, and they have a child towards the latter part of their life. Now, they name that child Isaac. And when Isaac is around 10 or 11 years old, God comes to Abraham and he says, you know that beautiful gift of that child that I gave you? I want him back. In fact, I want him back right now. And 
Abraham, I want you to perform the sacrifice. Well, that's biblical shock therapy. After that, Abraham became the father of all faiths. Fast forward to the New Testament. Paul, on his road to Damascus, Paul knew as he was riding on that road to Damascus, he was convinced he was doing God's will. God wanted him to exterminate this new Christian church that was a threat to Judaism. And so he saw very clearly he was doing God's will. And yet on that road to Damascus, he was knocked from his horse, blinded, and suddenly heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And his life changed forever. He became one of the greatest apostles in our church. And so that's biblical shock therapy in which we need to be shocked out of our complacency. See, Jesus is doing that just here. We have to love less or hate the things that the world has convinced us that will make us or that we need to be happy. See, when we detach ourselves from those things, then we discover everything that we need is right in front of us to make us happy. We have to understand from our faith flows everything in our life. It flows our relationships, our work. It flows our decisions and our choices. What Jesus is really telling us today, make him the central organizing principle in our life. And then, yes, we truly will find happiness and peace, just like Edith Stein did. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ Rest upon you always.